0: Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy, um, amateur songwriter, guitar enthusiast, and with me, as always, is birthday boy, what? John Gillen. What? It's your birthday. Happy birthday, my friend.
1: Oh, man. Thank you so much. I, I really That's do right. appreciate that. So, I'm th-
0: <laughs> years old. So yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> bless you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, it happens
1: when you get old. You get this, like... Flem thing and
0: you just, that's it yeah young at heart yeah uh, and <laughs> uh, yes a little peek behind the per- curtain there uh listeners into uh, our private lives it is john's birthday and um, so we thought uh, why not celebrate by recording a podcast that we've been neglecting for a little bit um, and <laughs> so uh we have a uh, great uh, we've a really nice episode up for you we've got our lick of the week and then we have our interview with leon todd uh youtube guitarist extraordinary near real like a classic rock guy i would go you know we'll talk about what he is he wears he wears many hats all of which are guitar shaped and then we have our, what we've been listening to, what we've been working on in the world of guitar, but John, it is my turn for lick of the week, uh, this, this week and lick of the month, and, uh, <laughs> of the, of the episode. And, uh, yeah. So you pointed out before we started recording that my lick is only two minutes long. So no, not, not minutes,
1: be... not minutes. Sorry,
0: not two minutes, two seconds long. Yeah. Good God, it's, it's, it's been a long day. Yeah, yes. Minutes, so, minutes. Uh, have you any suspicions of what it could be? Um, a sound. That's, yeah, that's it's the sound, situation. okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's possibly the most famous guitar chord that's been recorded, in pop music anyway.
1: Oh, in pop music? Okay, well, well yeah. let's, let's have a listen, and maybe even twice, so you guys might hear this more than once, just so you can yeah. wrap your brain around it, or not, we'll, that, we'll determine that in editing, so here we go. Oh, man. You want to play it again? I already have. So <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is one of those. It's like I can hear it, but I can't yeah. put it in context. And this is this is going to be one of those things. I feel I feel like '80s. Is that is that fair? Uh,
0: no, you are, you are
1: a couple of decades. I'm about there. 20 years off. So my initial suspicion was when you said that, I was like, oh, this is the Hendrix chord, isn't it?
0: Oh, ah, okay. Very good. Yeah, th- that would definitely be up there. But this is, uh, not, the this is, not, this is not the Hendrix chord. It's not the Hendrix chord.
1: Okay, so do tell. What do we got?
0: Okay, so the, I picked this for a few reasons. Um, first of all, I found a... So, so, Before we jump to what the chord is and who the artist is um have you ever heard of the band you probably have backman turner overdrive oh of course yeah yeah so so randy Bachman, he has this series called guitarology and it's like this audio i think it's like a radio series where he goes through different uh he goes through different like pieces of guitar music and i found this video dissecting this chord and so it is as listeners are probably screaming, uh, this is A Hard Day's Night by The Beatles. This is the opening. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Okay. So, so what prompted me to pick this, like, literal, is, is short, very, very, very short piece of music is uh, Randy Bachman did a uh, does a, a two-minute long video where he goes to Abbey Road and talks about what actually makes that chord. Because it's really, you know, people have argued about what actual chord it is what you could count it as for, for decades and so he figured out what it was because he talked to i think it's giles martin uh george martin's son okay and it is so essentially what's going on to have all this one chord at one time it is there's three things going on so it's essentially a g7 add nine sustained four chord or a sus four chord so what it is is it's harrison on a 12 string rickenbacker and um, playing a f Add nine chord, so like an F, F um, major seven with the G on top, and then you've got Lennon oh, playing high that strings, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, and then you've got Lennon playing that as well on an acoustic, and you have McCartney playing a high D note, so like a probably like a 12th fret of the D string, and you've got Martin, George Martin himself on the grand piano playing the D and G notes, so it's all these things at the one time, and it just plays like that. John, do you want to play it for the listeners one more time?
1: One more time. Okay, so let's let's let me let me just make sure I understand. So uh, George Harrison is yep. playing essentially. So it's an F seven or an F major seven.
0: So it's an F add nine chord. So it's like an F major shape, but with your pinky on the G high okay. G string. So like okay. three, two, one, three. Yeah. And so your third and
1: finger then is muting the fourth string. Is that right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So
0: it would be. like, like uh so it'd be like f a c and then g on top okay
1: oh so, oh, oh oh i see yeah I see. so you're yeah. starting on the fourth string
0: exactly yeah so root's and on fourth. okay okay yeah so and so that's an f add nine chord and you've got mm-hmm. um you've got john lennon playing that as well on an acoustic and then you've got mccartney on his bass plucking the low. Plucking a high D note, like a so like a a twelfth fret of the D string, and then you've got George Martin on the grand piano playing the low D and G notes. So you've got all that together, and it makes this G seven add nine sustain four chord, which is what people have described it as. Okay, okay, yeah, that makes
1: sense because your sus four is then the C, or yeah. um, or I guess you could could you also call it a
0: nine eleven. Corn? Possibly. <laughs> never,
1: <laughs> never forget.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, listeners, if you're still with us, I know half of you probably are. Um, so, yeah. I, I Another reason I picked this is because we have never really talked about the Beatles on this show. No. And what they are as, like, guitar players. And for me, I, I think, like, there's a few different guitar parts that I think of. I think of, like, something. I think of, like, the um, the Day Tripper riff. Um, there's loads of like, you know, little guitar parts, but I think what they did was they worked really well as a band mm-hmm. where they used the guitar as a tool as opposed to like, you know, there are some really cool like little guitar solos. Like you've got Sergeant Peppers and you've got Taxman and you've got like these really, really great guitar songs and um, The End, Revolution, number nine, Here Comes the Sun. You know, there's there's I, you know, I just made a list of my favorite beatles guitar songs um but i think you know it's it's cool because it's a band where you essentially have three fairly decent for you know pop standards at the time guitar players all of which who are very much doing different things when they play and um, so like could i ask like as a guitar player would you how would you rate the beatles
1: well Sorry. um Question. so this is I'm, I'm about to step on some sacred territory here uh oh, no. or, Cows, or (laughs) however that works, I'm going to step on the sacred cows. Just Mm. be careful with that. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm not really a Beatles fan. I really that's all right. Um, Safe space. That said, I definitely (laughs) space. (laughs) I definitely you have to appreciate what they did. Like there's and and how they transformed music and the music industry. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm separating these two things. I've got strong opinions on the difference between music and the music business. Um, yes. but I do think um, i I do think what they did was really influential i I don't much care for them, I don't much care to listen mm. to them, but I would yeah. say like if I had a favorite Beetle from a creative standpoint and, and especially their post beetle work um George Harrison's definitely yeah, my yeah so, same I um, think so as well which I think for most guitar players, it's gonna be the case um, but they they really encapsulate for me like a moment in time, that kind of early sixties uh vibe and getting getting those four musicians to create that chemistry they're a great example of chemistry you look at what Mm -hmm. they did afterwards Lennon I think by himself would have just been too weird to ever break into the mainstream Um, and I think Paul McCartney probably could have done that he could have just been a pop songwriter a jingle songwriter the rest of his life and made the same amount of money probably (laughs) um even, I mean, I'm not a fan of Wings, but Wings was super popular in the 70s. Everybody yeah. loved them. He wrote the songs that everybody likes. Um, yeah. George Harrison, for me, I think is the most creative musician out of the group. Um, and and I, I, I just, I love his guitar playing um, yeah. post Beatles. So I, I think he, he really did some good work. Um, the 80s were a bit weird. So yeah, got that. Yeah. I got my mind set on you. Uh, and of course, Ringo actually too, I think typically used to be terribly underrated. Uh, a lot more has come out on him as being like, yeah, if it weren't for Ringo, holding everything together, it still yeah. would have fallen apart. So it's really, it's really important that you have all four of those guys together. I think that said, I don't usually choose to listen to the Beatles.
0: <laughs> all, all very valid points. And would you pick just out of curiosity as we're on the topic? Uh, would you pick the rolling stones over the beatles
1: i would have
0: yeah, yeah. that would have been yeah, it, yeah.
1: if i lived in that time period i think i would have identified more with the rolling stones
0: yeah it's a real like you know it's funny it's that it's that question like who would you pick cuz they're just it's it's i think it's it, at times it's like chalk and cheese because you have the stones doing that blues really like mm. head, like stealing the blues essentially but making it their own to an extent and then you have the the psychedelic route that the Beatles went down in terms of the, the, you know, uh, the use of effects and the delays. And yeah, the, the, you which, know, you know, I think
1: is, is important for popular music. It's, it's also, mm. as someone who's studied uh, 20th century, you know, classical music or 20th century uh, academic music, it's mm. really important to realize, like, the Beatles were borrowing from stuff that was 15 to 20 years old, in in that world so yeah it was revolutionary for pop music because pop Mm. music was um you know elvis you think early beatles and 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 that sort of thing whereas um this was and and doo-wop even but this was something completely new to pop music and you got to give them credit for kind of pushing that out there i think i would have been more of a rolling stones fan because really when the Beatles hit the scene, they were a, they were a boy band and that was me off at 17.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's fair. I I think the the one thing that I really like about the Beatles that I always get, if I sit down and learn a Beatles song is the, is the the chord progressions and the the interesting chords that they use. Like they threw a lot of sevens, a lot of ninth chords in stuff that you wouldn't normally have seen. In pop song structures At that time Yeah And modal borrowing
1: too Is a pretty common thing
0: Yeah Is is really interesting Like even Like when What Harrison does On something Like you've got Those little guitar licks That move the song along But the You know the major to the major seventh to the seventh chord to the fourth like it's such a nice it's such it's such a progression that really works that i'd never I remember learning that and just this whole thing open to me because you literally you're taking the chords and you're just removing one note at a time or going down a semitone and you're seeing mm-hmm. what it's doing harmonically and um, yeah I think that's one of my favorite things about them as a group is them pushing that it's not three chords it's something really really different totally. um, sweet oh cool that was that was fun to talk about i've never really um yeah, we've yeah, never, we've it's never really and, talked about the Beatles, which is strange. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of overlooked. I think sometimes as a guitar band because Harrison was a great player, um, in particular. But uh, yeah, cool. So we're now, and now for something. Speaking of George Harrison now for something completely different, um, yeah. So we have so John, we have um, a YouTube guitarist. Uh, he's a guitarist with the guitarist band Ragdoll. Um, his name's Leon Todd. And once again, we had to uh, you drew the short straw when it came to organizing a talk that worked for us to interview because it was three different time zones.
1: Yeah, uh, so, very yeah. different time zones at that. Yeah, so it could he's, not be more. He's different. an Australian guitarist. For those of you that don't know his work off of YouTube or in Australia. Um, fantastic guy. Absolutely great to interview. I initially came across him during the whole fake shredders controversy from November, December last year, which is, <laughs> which was kind of funny. I think it was something that Levi Clay, also a previous guest of the show, yeah. had, yeah. uh, referenced and looking at it and then, but as I got more into his stuff, he's got a lot of like great gear demos, definitely worth checking out on that um we talk a little bit about gear axe effects stuff versus um the you know your standard valve amps tube amps um but really just the other thing that i I found intriguing he's got a couple of things like five great licks and then he'll demonstrate from a band you know white and lizzie he's big classic rock guy monster chops uh super fun to listen to Definitely check out his latest single with Ragdoll. There's some great guitar playing on there. Fun to li- like I said, fun to listen to. It's yeah. music. So um but that's that's how I came across him and that's what he does. So yeah.
0: Cool. No, I, I thought it was because. Um, You know, I I think was a great get in terms of a guy who really does make guitar like his his thing in so many different ways. Like he teaches and he's a YouTube guy. Mm. He does gear reviews. He does, you know, he tours with the band. So I thought it was really interesting to get someone who, you know, who does all those different things in one place. And yeah, we I I think he he had a lot to say. So, um, yeah. So without further ado, here's Leon Todd. Cool. Well, I, I start this one.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Great. Go start. For it. Um, I'm still waking up. Um, welcome, everybody. We are here with Leon Todd um, as our, I think, our third Australian uh, guest that we've had on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we've we've managed to crack that time difference once again. Um, yes, Leon. Um, for people, <laughs> welcome. Um, for for people that don't know who you are or what you do, uh, would you be able to give a, a brief elevator pitch on um? A, basically what your work involves
2: sorry guys can you say that again i just i literally just got scrambled right then the first no time the connection
0: yeah no worries Bad. Um so leon basically for people who don't know what you do would you be able to to break it down give us um, maybe a quick elevator pitch on who you are and what you do and what your work involves
2: Oh, I guess I'm I'm Leon and I play guitar and I have a funny accent. So (laughs) that that encapsulates a a lot of things to a lot of people. But uh, yeah, I guess you know if I had to, if if this was LinkedIn, I would probably write musician and content creator and songwriter and uh, I I don't know anything else that uh, could go along with that. Uh, Australians have a terrible culture of not being able to self promote. So yeah, I always just like to say person that plays guitar, but I play uh, primarily in a power trio called Ragdoll. Uh, we were talking off air, we just released another single and I make a lot of YouTube videos and I also teach guitar for a living. So yeah, that kind of hopefully covers the bases
0: yeah so just uh, that, thank you so much um great so we might just start with your so we found you on youtube and we were we we're really impressed with what you were doing and um so as as a youtube content creator you don't just you know you, you do it all really you go through like you have lessons you have playthroughs of your own band and you have q a's you have tone tips you have gear demonstrations um i i suppose what i really like about it is the variety and I think that's maybe what separates you from other YouTube content creators. Um, can I ask, how do you get so much done? I mean, you have a video out. <laughs> I, I mean, you go for a video almost every day by the looks of it.
2: Uh, I mean, the truth is I don't have a life. So uh, there's, there's that aspect. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate in that my, my workflow's really simple and quite quick. Uh, that's mm, something okay. that I, it has taken me a while to develop and but now it's i mean i 've always been able to talk nonstop so you figure out, especially with a platform like YouTube where you have to play to your strengths, so being able to talk on camera is something that I figured out pretty early on that I can do, so i I do it, and I try to do normally you know i'll make I'll have days where I'm really feeling it and I m- might make two or three videos and other days where I'm a bumbling mess and I just go, you know what, today's today's a day to practice and to, to edit and do those kind of things. So uh, yeah, doing that. And I've been teaching guitar since I was about 16 years old as well. So it's a very, it's kind of, I'm 31. I'm going to be 32 this year. So all, coming up to half my life. Um, so it's very much... A second nature thing for me now
1: very cool I do have a question for you too I was uh, looking at one of your videos where you played through all your solos from your latest album Um, and I thought what was interesting about it was you kind of talked a little bit just kind of right there in the middle of the video of this is something that you kind of do on a regular basis to get you ready to go for playing a live gig or something like that. And so I'm curious, how how does your solo craft or, or crafting a solo play into what you practice and how you practice, whether that's before a gig or even before recording? What, it, what does that look like for you?
2: That's a, first, that's a great question. And it's actually changed a lot. Uh, it's changed a lot recently because I've had the, I guess the means to get really, really good guitar sounds at home and also i've learned a lot more about getting good guitar sounds or guitar sounds that i like uh, as well and probably i mean we released uh the most recent album we did was now back in 2016 and um a really good friend of mine uh troy nababan who we have recorded nearly all of our stuff with now um he's he's one of those guys where you know you you get him in to record your band and produce you and he plays better than everyone. He sings better than everyone and he pulls great tones and he mixes great. And it's just he's he's one of those guys that's just like the total package. And sometimes you're like, Man, you know, we have a lot of moments where I'm playing something and it's like, Okay, do it like this or do it like this and he goes, Pass me the guitar. And then it's like, Ah oh,
1: okay. <laughs> oh no. So, Shame.
2: So, yeah, for, for a long time I kinda just leaned on him and I'd be like, you know, man, I don't care just I'm gonna I'm gonna play and you dial the sounds and when I first started mucking around doing little YouTube videos I didn't know how to do anything you know I didn't know where to put a microphone and a guitar speaker or you know how to dial in the sound and um, I just kind of tried to remember what he did and then I remember doing a few videos and him going oh they sound really good so that was my uh, little uh, sort of moment of encouragement and from then on you know when we toured that album and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point as well. Um, I ended up getting a digital rig and then I had really good sounds at home. And that was the the step into the, uh, the nether world of ultimate guitar geekdom. And then I kind of started doing videos as a way to really push myself to learn more about that. Um, and so it was kind of part of the motivation was like, okay, cool. You know, somebody left a comment, can you do this? I don't know. Can I, can I do it? And then replicate it on camera. So that whole thing about being able to get really good sounds at home um, led to me being able to basically practice a lot more easier and to practice more and then to practice things that I should have been practicing that I wasn't practicing like the solos in the set, because a lot of the time I wouldn't play the same thing. Um, It was sort of like, okay, cool. I kind of know I played something like this on the record. So we'll see what comes out tonight. And, um, listening back to, you know, recordings and things like that, it's like, you know what, I'm actually, I don't know if it's because I'm getting old, but I kind of want to hear what's on the record a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that kind of led me down that rabbit hole of, you know, now anytime we have a show coming up or anything like that, it's kind of just a, it just puts me at ease. It's like, okay, cool. I know I can play all the hard bits and then I know, you know I can record myself doing it, and then listen if there's any sections I'm not playing properly or if I'm rushing too much or if I'm not you know kind of sitting in the right spot, so it's um yeah it's just it's just become part of the routine, and I never used to do that um I had the worst habits around practicing and warming up and things like that, and uh you know you just kind of write it off and go yeah that's that's rock and roll, but uh it's not until you start listening critically where you're like, oh actually." No, there is some, there is some logic in this whole, like you should practice and you should warm up kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So what does your practice routine look like now?
2: It really do. Like I said, it kind of really depends. I mean, uh, if I'm, if I've, if, you know, I normally write a big list of say, for example, videos I want to do. So part of it relates to that. I know if I'm going to talk about single coil pickups or something that I need to go and, you know, practice some cool uh, like double double stop solely kind of things, or if I'm writing something and there's a particular section that you know I can hear in my head that I can't quite play, I'll work on that and um what kind of keeps me in line and keeps me really inspired is um uh my students because I have kids who come in who. Uh, you know, they just, they want to play (laughs) as I was when I was 15, like they want to play as fast as possible and learn sweet picking or something like that. And um, preparing for that helps. And then having someone come in, I have a really great student who's really into uh, electronic music at the moment. Um, And some of the stuff he does with the guitar, it's just so left of center and interesting that um, he's got me onto a lot of new music. So yeah, it's, it's, it it very much kind of revolves around, okay, if I need to do a video on something, I'll, you know, I'll sit there and practice some riffs or something like that. And, uh, or, you know, work on my picking for an hour or something like that and then do the video. So it looks really impressive, you know? Um, or (laughs) if I'm writing something, then that, that can also inspire the practice routine too. So yeah, it's, um, I mean, the fact that I do practice now is a big change from, five or six years ago where uh, I liked, I, I really wasn't that into guitar. Like I liked playing gigs and I liked writing, but I was very much in a kind of who cares kind of mindset as opposed to now where I, it's almost like I kind of rediscovered how much I like playing guitar and listening to guitar and practicing. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's that's great. And to be able to recognize that you've gotten to that stage um, you know, just to see your evolution, I suppose, in terms of your approach to the instrument, um, to be able to take a step back and see that. It must be, I don't know, it must be great to kind of realize that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the main thing, and I've kind of always valued this with the players that I like, it's um, being exp- expressive as a guitar player. And um, that is, the the—the more you do it, um, the the more kind of ways you become aware of that there are so many ways to be expressive with the instrument and to you know reveal uh, to learn things about yourself through that as well yeah i could imagine just in terms of uh i mean like even playing with other
0: people that would definitely bleed over into that um yeah I mean, definitely think- um so just just asking about that so ragdoll is the name of of your group and um you know it's a power trio and i have expressed to john my love of three piece bands before um i feel <laughs> yeah. that as uh, as a guitar player it's so interesting just not having that other Guitarist to bounce off, and um, so can I ask? I mean, you guys are you're influenced by you know Rush and King's X, and you know there's other trios like you know Motorhead and the Police, you know, or you know even Nirvana, you know, bands where there's only one guitar player. Um, what made you guys want to do it as a trio rather than getting like you know another guitarist to, to fill it out?
2: Uh, it's really interesting. That's so cool because really it was a process of elimination. When uh, yeah, when I've been playing with Cam, our drummer, since about 2006. Um, So I was probably 18 or 19 when I met him through MySpace. Uh, If uh, (laughs) anybody out there who remembers the days before the gram, that's how you met people on MySpace. And uh, it was actually, I I mentioned um, our producer, Troy. He's actually the guy who got in touch with me. And uh, I got this message from this guy who was like, hey, uh, it was along the lines of, hey, it seems like we all like the same stuff. Um I have a an Ibanez PGM and an ADA MP one. I've heard you've got an ADA MP one. We should be in a band together. Um <laughs> it was that level of like yeah, we we both just loved Paul Gilbert. That was the uh the bonding point. And he was already playing with some guys and uh of which Cam was the drummer. And I remember I remember going to this jam session. I didn't even have my driver's license. So my mum drove me uh to Cam's house and Uh, I showed up with like, you know, a full stack and a rack thinking, yeah, this is, you know, this is, this is going to signal to these guys that I'm really serious. And they all had bigger, bigger racks. And this, you know, like, I would have never dreamt. And then when we started playing, they just played the crap out of me. It was so fun. And uh, I remember leaving that going like, man, I'm not good enough to play with these guys. I don't know what they see in me. And um, listening back to recordings from then, um, it's it, it's it was a really important musical thing for me, especially playing with Cam because when he was eighteen or nineteen, his he was so developed. He'd been he'd been gigging since he was like fourteen or fifteen. He has an older brother, and they put out a couple of really interesting kind of Radiohead-esque albums. And I've listened to those when he's like fifteen, and what he's playing on there is so amazing and so creative. And um, that was a really important thing for me, was meeting him and we, you know, we just kind of, I think after a while, figured out that, you know, we're meant to play music together and we did that for a few years and we, I always remember, it would have been about 2009, we went and saw a cover band in Perth and, um, as is, you know, they're the only gigs that kind of pay here is you do, yeah credence acdc bon jovi guns and roses that's that's what people want to hear i'm sure it's uh not very different uh the world <laughs> over and the we saw this five-piece band and like the backup singer and rhythm guitar player in this band stepped up and sang a song and i just remember having this moment of like my god who who is this guy and that was ryan our singer and it was just like this is I didn't know people could do this. He sounded like David Coverdale. Yeah. Just, it was, he just had it. And he's, I mean, he still does There's many, many times I'm on stage where I kind of get chills where it's like, Oh, I'm pretty lucky to be up here with someone who can do this. And, um, we, you know we got chatting it's like hey we should get together we should jam and we talked about it for probably a year or two and um he had uh he had a another guy he was doing they were doing like a hair metal tribute band at the time um so we we got the singer in from that and then our buddy who played bass and we basically just wanted to be Def Leppard that was the that was exactly <laughs> what we were going for you know yes. um uh it was, and it's one of those things. And you, know, you get together with a bunch of guys, and you talk about what you want to sound like more than you actually spend time trying to sound like that. <laughs> and um, what was what was I guess good for it at the time was um, the guy who was singing in the band had a had a friend who was older who had done some. You know, he was an basically an old sound guy and roadie, and he helped us book a lot of gigs. And we're in Western Australia, which is a really, really big place, uh, with not many people in it, but there's yeah. a lot of towns. So we kind of did this like, you know, small country town circuit for a while and didn't work out with the, at, at this time, Ryan, who's now a singer and bass player was yeah. Singing backup vocals and playing rhythm guitar. And our, the guy who was playing bass, uh, he was a good friend of mine, great double bass player, like orchestral double bass player. He was juggling that and he was doing an engineering degree and it, it was, all too much for him, so Ryan moved over to bass, and then, after a while it wasn't really wasn 't working out with the singer because anytime we 'd have you know Ryan sing a song it was it it just kind of felt right, and you know there's only so long you can go with people saying, "Hey, you know the bass player, wow he 's got a really, really good voice, so it was kind of just by necessity and it was that process of elimination where okay, cool, maybe we should try this, and we tried it, and it worked and then we were like, ah, but having, having another guitar player would still be really cool. And we had a friend of ours step in for a few months and when that didn't work out, that's when we, we really had a a moment of like, no more of this. If we're going to do this, you know, this is why we're a three piece. So, um, yeah, it was either through, you know, it, like, you know, I, you could say musical differences, but it was either personalities didn't work when we were playing shows, or people's priorities were different. And yeah. Uh, yeah, the three of us were kind of the only only three guys who I think were really on the same page the whole time. And I always remember <clears throat> maybe uh, we'd, we'd only really been working, we had like one rehearsal as a three piece, and then we had a show coming up, and it was, to that point, easily the best show we'd ever played. And we were like, okay, that's a sign let's do this and not long after that we um we got booked to play a side stage at a festival in the usa and then that was kind of uh where the where the madness really began and we had to we had to figure it out as we went along so there's the really really long version of (laughs) why i'm playing a three-piece
0: I mean that's that's great, thanks for all the detail i mean i I think with with really good bands, it does take a while to kind of get that sweet spot where everybody's on the same page and you know you're as you said like you know your priorities are the same you're you know you, you like hanging out like I've always said that being in a band is like having two or three girlfriends it's just like you gotta you know everybody has to really be focused on the same thing for it to really work and um, so yeah, i mean, you know that, that
2: and- that's very true. As someone who's tried that, that's, <laughs> trust, me, trust me, a band is actually slightly, sometimes slightly harder. So if you yeah. can find people who can work with that and who you can, I mean, it's, it's mostly about knowing how to give one another space. And mm. when you realize that that applies as people, as well as musically, then then that kind of then it can then it can work and um the big insecurity we had was like you know leon when you play a solo there's going to be no rhythm guitar um and then after a while you realize when you play a gig it's really really loud and (laughs) you know drums and bass feel really good at a live concert you know um so there's no issue there if it doesn't work on the record just play some rhythm guitar on it. You know, that's not cheating. That's fine. Everybody does that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really simple little things like that, I think, where it's like, oh, I've been anxious about something I don't need to be anxious about. I can just go and play guitar. And a lot of the time, you know, we still get that from time to time. Um, uh, And I did a funny video about that, you know, stuff people say to you at gigs. It's like, you know, they'll... Absolutely gush about how much they love the band and they go, oh, but um, yeah, you know, when, when you were soloing, it was, a, you know, I could have, could have done with a rhythm guitar. And it's like, you're a guitar player, aren't you? Um, they're the only <laughs> people who ever say that. Um, and bass players will come up and say, oh, you know, yeah, we we loved we love that it's a three-piece because when you play a solo, we can listen to what the, um, <laughs> the bass, the bass is doing.
0: Yeah. That's and, what and we're here big, for.
2: Yeah, and a, a big part about that, I was saying, like the way Ryan and Cam work together as well is like when we write a song, it's like, you know, section by section, they go through, we'll, we'll kind of go through and sketch songs out and then they go through and go, okay, cool. What are we doing? Like, what's the, what accents am, are we going to catch together with like the kick drum and the bass? And what are we not going to do together so that it kind of sounds a certain way. And, you know, it always gets to, what are we going to do in the solo? How are we going to make it different? So if you, um like, if you listen to, the ragdoll stuff and you just listen to what the rhythm section does under the solos um it's always different from what's happening in the rest of the song so those guys give me the space to express myself in those sections while kind of keeping you know uh keeping the energy going in a just kind of a different way i think
0: sweet i mean yeah i mean I, I really like how you put that there that's that's really um just in terms of like getting that space and them doing their own thing because i mean it's so important for that locking in for the bass and the drums and they're it's kind of like splitting it in two really it's kind of putting them together and then letting you do your own thing on the side and um, yeah, yeah that's, it's, it sounds really cool and for the new release uh, you put out a new single yesterday <laughs> congratulations yeah. uh, 16 yeah. hours ago and um, yep. so it's called follow the leader and um, so in terms of like recording and sound is this the part of something you know is this the start of a new album or a new tour would you to tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah so we put out a single in the middle of last year called rust and this is kind of the second single from this recording process that we're in at the moment every other time we've recorded it's been uh to a pretty strict deadline normally because we've had tours booked and it's like hey we have a tour booked for this album and the album's not finished. We need to finish the album tomorrow kind of thing. And um, that's uh, literally happened a few times. So with this, we started it without anything booked. And I mean, without getting into too much detail, Ryan, uh, you know, he has a family and one of his kids got really terribly unwell. And that was really terrifying for a lot of reasons, but Mm. really helped us put, the band and music and kind of everything into perspective. So one thing that we had for the first time, kind of in our career as a band, was time um, to work on songs and work on recording and arrangements. So we probably started tracking the first songs about two years ago, and um, it's just it's just been different. You know, there's there has been that element of it's like, oh hey, we need to get to work on this, but we do have a an Australian tour coming up uh, which. Thats next week, uh, where we're doing a festival in Melbourne and a few shows in Melbourne and Sydney. We're playing with Kip Winger, who's one of my like favorite uh nice. rock music of all time. So that's that's super cool. And uh yeah, we we had this song Follow the Leader, probably like about 80% finished. Um it just needed to be mixed and tidied up. And it was one of those things where when we sat down and listened to it, it was like, this is not bad, but we can do a little bit better. So Ryan went back in and he actually essentially rewrote and resang the whole song at the 11th hour. And <laughs> it, it really, it, it really made a difference. It was one of those things where we, we were going like, uh, you know, it's, it's guys, it's there, it's fine. We don't need to overthink it. Um, and he was like, no, nah, I can do it. I need a night. He went in and did it. And we all listened to it and just kind of went, uh, yeah, no, this is, this is a lot more together. So yeah, it's, and you know, we were talking about, uh, not having rhythm guitar under solos. And this is, I think, the first recording we've ever done where we've done that in the solo. And like, so many people have messaged me saying, hey, man, love the song. You know what's really cool is there's no rhythm guitar under the solo, and I kind of dig that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, me 10 years ago would have been freaking out about that, but me now is like, oh, cool. That was, that was a very conscious decision, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you get that.
0: Yeah, that uh, finally, recognition.
2: Yeah, recognition yeah. um, <laughs> for the bass player.
0: <laughs> um, John, you, you wanted to ask about uh, the gear that Leon uses.
1: Yeah, so you talk uh, an awful lot. You do a lot of reviews on amps and that sort of thing too, but your live rig is an Axe Effects. So I'm kind of curious, what, what, is, what does the transition look like for you? And do you still use amps and at home or on certain gigs or like what's the what is the setup like for you and how was that transition been to the axe effects
2: yeah so when we did our last album back to zero that was still all amps we had a lot of amps for that that was really really fun um i I think at one stage we had like 12 heads um in here and yeah it was and it was it was like every track we did was kind of a mix and match thing. So we borrowed a lot of stuff, and yeah, it's um, you know I have a lot of gear, and our recording uh, engineer and producer Troy has a lot of gear, and uh, we're terrible enablers for one another in that way. <laughs> and it was really funny when we were recording that um, we put this photo up with all the amps, and you know there was some guy in the comments who was like, "Oh, that's cool, but like I have ten times that in my camper," and we were all like, ah, ha, ha ha ha, yeah, yeah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever record with one of those things? And when we toured that album, we did the States, Europe and Australia. And I was like, I'm a I'm a little bit sick of getting you know, and nothing against the old JCM 900, but I'm a little bit sick of getting like a JCM 900 as my backline when I spec like a dual rectifier or something, and yeah. it looks like it's been dragged behind. <laughs> of, you know, it's just like the classic backline. You know, and they they always yeah. work, but it, it was it was one of those things where it was like it's always fine, but it was never it was never amazing or anything like that, and um. This would have been 2016 so right around the time i think fractal came out with their ax8 the floorboard and one of my good friends who had been using an AxeFX ultra for a long time bought an ax8 and he was selling his ultra and i was like you know what this is kind of like a nothing to lose situation i sold a few pedals and a few other things and i bought that off him thinking this would be great. I can just use it as a preamp, uh, solely for these backline gigs. Like I'll just have my one sound in there and, you know, run it into the power section of these beat up nine hundreds. And I'm sure it can't sound any worse. Uh, and <laughs> the funniest thing was, I always remember bringing this thing home, walking through the door and then dropping it. Um, oh, and one wow. of the rack ears nearly like, like bending and just being like, Oh God, this is a bad sign. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, getting getting that and the first show I did with it, I kind of ran it like that. And then I always remember we had this support slot um, at a pretty good venue, and I was like, you know what, maybe I should try running this thing direct because you know seems like a lot of people do. You know, Metallica do this, can't be yeah. that bad. Yeah. And the sound engineer afterwards coming up and saying, hey, that was that was one of the easiest gigs I've ever mixed. You know, this older guy and that thing you've got is really really cool. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> maybe there's something in this. And, uh, when we, we went to the States about a month after that and I took it with me in my suitcase, uh, which was really, really funny, you know, rocking out with this like my underwear backstage <laughs> and, my exercise, and, uh, running it there on like a festival stage. And that was like the, Oh my God moment, because it was, that's still probably one of the best gigs we've ever played, but I particularly, particularly remember how good it sounded on stage coming out of monitors, coming out of side fill, hearing the drum fill. Um, and yeah, that was when I really got the bug and just, you know, I, I, I love pulling things apart. So something like that, there's this infinite ability to tweak in there. So I, um, I ended up getting an ax eight, uh, around that time. And that's kind of, that was like, okay, now I have something at home. That's easy to record. If I want to do a, YouTube video and a lesson, I can just use that and it'll probably sound better than camera audio of my Marshall in the next room. So, uh, that was the descent into the rabbit hole. And I also figured out that there was this big appetite for tutorials, um, out there on the the internet, uh, especially for stuff like the Axe effects. Pardon me. And yeah, I, that's very much one reason I got into doing a lot of YouTube videos and the latest gen thing, uh, probably (coughs) Far out. What year are we in? Uh, probably the middle of twenty eighteen, I think. Sweet. And that, yeah, it's. I mean, it's whether it's an Axe or a Kemper or you're a Helix guy. Like whatever your flavor is, I think most of them have kind of been at that level where, especially on a recording, they're kind of indecipherable from a mic'd up guitar amplifiers. So when we started recording this batch of songs, uh, it was right before I had the Axe FX three and I was like, okay, cool. I still want to use my amps because they're my amps and you know, I know how they work and amps also smell good, which is nice. You know, when you're in a, like a small room <laughs> recording and you've got like, it's especially, especially, tube, especially Mesa amps, like this is a thing. Um, like boogies smell really good. Or, you know, when you open a Gibson case, <laughs> how it has that? There's that like i don't know what it is if it's lacquer or if it's paint or there's this like really nice sweet cologne about it that um yeah that um we started doing that and then i got the axe FX 3 and for this latest single this is all axe effects it was just uh yeah it just sounded really good straight up with like minimal tweaking i didn't program any presets or anything we went in and just kind of used it the way you would use an amp. Like, okay, let's set up an amp and a cab and move some knobs until we think it sounds good. And then we'll play the song. And the advantage is it's really easy to run a DI from it. um, If you do want to reamp later and you know, there's these, all these levels of functionality and usability on top of the fact, it sounds really good. So for that and for live now it's, I plug my guitar into that and I send, an XLR or a pair of XLRs to the board and I for most of the gigs we do now we're on in-ears so like that's literally it that's the rig wow. and we, we use the same Axe FX 3 for bass because there's four ins and outs so you can run a totally separate chain and um, yeah I just you know it's got a tone match feature in there so I just tone matched our bass players SansAmp that he uses and that's in there and all the I take care of all the switching now so when I press on my solo scene the bass gets a bit more distorted and it gets a bit louder which is you know very difficult to achieve and it's great for us because Ryan has to sing and play bass so he just goes out and does that now and um I you know I just have to play guitar so I do the switching from... and stuff like that yeah so that's uh that's very sweet, much sweet. been my gear journey which means I've also just got a bunch of amps around here that I, you know, I, I play on for fun and I like making videos with, and, um, you know, they are beautiful machines that I really appreciate But for kind of the pragmatist in me is still loves the, you know, the ease of use and the usability of something like the Axe And now it, it really does. It sounds insanely good.
0: Savage and Leon, I'm I'm so sorry to say this, but our meeting is about to run out in terms of our Zoom. Um, oh. We've gone a little bit over time. Um, no, not at all. No, it was great. Everything, every point was brilliant. And just in case this cuts off. Um, thank you so much for being with us today we really appreciate it um, I'm sorry this is just the technology that we use we have a 40 minute window and that no, just no flew problem. by Man, um, thank you so much for being a part of this today we really really appreciate it um, it, was, it was great to <laughs> pick your brain on all this stuff and yeah we'll be sure to post when the, uh, when the interview is up and uh, best of luck with the tour man
2: yeah thank you guys so much thanks for having me and uh, yeah keep it up with the podcast because I really enjoy it it's been an absolute pleasure to be on now, that, that means, means a lot.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much. Take it easy, dude.
2: Cheers, guys. Thank you.
0: Take care. And we're back. Um, apologies, listeners, and to Leon, if you're listening to this, for the <laughs> such an abrupt ending. Our, our meetings, we, we record using a software called Zoom, which has a, a limited window when it comes to recording things. Uh, so we kind of maybe did not plan for that. Um, but no, it was great. I got a lot out of that. I really liked his... like. John, we've talked before, and we we, we mentioned it with Leon, that I really, really like three-piece bands because there's a lot of space for um musicians to you know to fill up essentially so i thought that he had a really you know great attitude towards that and the story of how the band became a three-piece and has stayed as a three-piece for so long um i really you know people you you can scoff when musicians talk about their connections but you know it's a thing you know you and i have played with people and sometimes it just clicks and it's great to see that this band clearly clicks and really really like doing what they do
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, you can, it, if, if you're decent enough at what you do, you can, is, is it dep, Is that the word? Or uh, <laughs> is that the Irish word or sub for the rest of us? Um, <laughs> when, you, when you jump in with, with a band and, and you just, you know, you play a gig or two, but it's, you don't always connect with those people that you play with. And so I think that mm. was, that was a really salient point and just ma- saying like, yeah, this just worked and this format worked you know, and it it's it's kind of it depends on who you're working with. And sometimes a good friend is just not a good musician friend, someone to someone to play along with, you know. So yeah. that's definitely something else to keep in
0: mind, I think. Um, he really also, can... Oh, go so, ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying like, you know, every time we talk about AMP modeling. You know, every time we talk about pedals, I'm like, I need that pedal. Or every time we talk about, like, amp modeling, I'm like, oh, that sounds so handy. I want that. I'm just so impressionable in terms of, like, I'm like a dog chasing cars when it comes to what is the best way to do this. But, yeah, his his little spiel on the the amp, the axe effects, really, I don't know, it, it was really convincing. And it seems to work really well for him, him talking about that gig where he got, like, the best sound ever just right. by running it through the PA. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's, i mean
1: definitely check tough. out his videos on axe effect stuff there's a lot of stuff where he helps just kind of walk through firmware updates um he's got suggestions on downloads and all those sorts of things so definitely worth checking out it's you know it i've had this conversation and i'm because i'm planning on going in one of these directions and i just had yes. a friend who bought a stramin iridium which that's a whole other discussion but it's basically like a mini axe effects or kemper it's got three amp models in it uh, that have been profiled like a kemper and then they have different input responses for the uh cabinets but and that's only 400 bucks so not a bad so one one more thing to throw in the mix but back to leon's point on on the axe effects like it's just it's a really versatile unit it sounds great plugged in the fact that it's got Um, As many effects as it does and as good as they sound so what I've heard is you kind of you might go the axe effects route if you need more Effects on board versus having a big old pedal board if you've got effects and pedals you like Then maybe stick with that and go the route of the Kemper instead so because the Kemper has slightly better, you know amp sounds just straight from the get-go
0: so i don't know there's so many so many options so hard to tell so much to, so much to consider um anyway no i don't know anyway we'll come back to that (laughs) we come to it every episode
1: so much to leon super great dude really it was it was fun to have him on i really enjoyed it so
0: yeah it's uh it was a a real uh, thank you for taking your time on on a saturday uh, to 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 spend it with us Um, so yeah
1: yeah, I guess it was a Saturday.
0: It was one o'clock. Oh, <laughs> it could have been like Tuesday his time. I don't know. <laughs> and so, John, what have you been working on? Um, let's see. So this week
1: I had to transcribe something. So kind of throw back to the Levi Clay episode there. Um, the, I had to transcribe a Neil Young solo. So oh. I'm not generally a fan of Neil Young. So if my student is listening to this you already know this we had this discussion <laughs> so but um that said I, I there's still a lot to learn there i think in the solo and i think there was it was kind of an interesting experience going through it and realizing like okay like there's some very purposeful things that he does here to kind of dirty things up whether it's his use of double stops and going from a single line yeah. and all sorts of things so yeah um informative though
0: uh yeah
1: <laughs> it wasn't my favorite transcription
0: that's fair no i i can totally see what you mean in terms of like what you like doing as a musician it's probably fairly different to what you're what you're used to or what you uh, what your tastes are i i really like i like i have friends that have been i went to see neil young in the last decade play live and just like when he goes for a solo it's like nothing else it's like he's just the energy behind it and it's just like this i don't know brute force and i i, I dig young in terms of a solo player i think he's it's, it's different i think he's the godfather of grunge oh yeah absolutely of, yeah which absolutely. i you know, when
1: you when you listen to it you can definitely hear that that's for sure is guitar playing absolutely so no, I'm 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 a fan. Like I said, this is this is similar to the way I feel about the Beatles. Like I wouldn't choose to listen to Neil Young, but again, credit where credit is due.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh,
1: anything else that I've been working on? Yes. Yeah, so this good. morning, <laughs> um, I did send you a nice little link to yes. Ben Eller. So Ben Eller has been the topic of some back and forth between the two of us this past mm-hmm. week uh, with a new EP. Friend of the show yes yes indeed definitely go back he had some great nuggets too so definitely go back listen to the ben eller episode um but just this really cool idea of danceable shred now um similar to him you know grew up on the shrapnel stuff and just shred gods but this was this was really a great thing that is going to admittedly it didn't this morning because i haven't practiced yet this morning so, but it is going to find its way into my practice routine this week because there's some great licks.
0: Yes, so, it's, it's such a cool idea, I think, in terms of the danceable, the danceable shred. He talks yeah. about how drummers can play super fast, but, uh, you know, remain danceable. And guitarists can't really do that. So he tries to do that and succeeds, I, I, I feel.
1: Yeah, what a great thought like, yeah. experiment, too. That guy, he's on another level, man. So, <laughs> Yeah,
0: I really really like what he does. Um, sweet. So what so about well, well, you then? Because obviously, oh you were, me,
1: you were, <laughs> oh my, you were you were working on that honestly when we started this call. So I was. That is one of the things you are working on. How did you as find of, it? By the way, I haven't. As I haven't, of today, I haven't picked it up yet. So how did you find it?
0: I really liked it. I think it's it's cool. I just I think it's something that you could very much pick as because um, uh, he has little licks and you could pick one a day to learn. They're all fairly uh, straightforward in terms of being pentatonic based. It's just the phrasing that is what makes them interesting and the uh, just that he does a little bit of a hybrid picky thing, which I'm always a fan of. So yeah, I really like that. I might try implementing them into. I'm still doing the twenty thirty minute a day thing. And I really, really like it. I think it's much more... I'm finding I'm putting a lot less pressure on myself if I know like, hey, I've got five minutes, I can do this here. So currently what I'm doing for... My five minutes is I am doing a little bit of uh, Brad Paisley. I'm learning just to get my kind of blues chops back. I'm learning a bit from Lenny, you know, that Stevie Ray Vaughan song. And mm. it's um, really nice chords on that, just in terms of like sixth chords and stuff that you wouldn't normally find on the Stevie Ray Vaughan song. And to practice my um, alternate picking, which I found just really has gone terribly as i'm working on some of the riffs from uh, cowboys from hell by pantera oh fun! Um, so yeah it's cool man i always thought there's just that main i always thought that that started on an upstroke because of the way that it goes and it doesn't because i i've got all nerdy on it and i'm like oh that makes it so much more difficult but um, cause I thought, cause it's, you're playing inside the strings, but yeah, there's some great tutorials online and I've been able to kind of break that down. And it's just been something that I've been doing for like 10 minutes a day and just been using it with metronome and watching myself get up to the speed that he plays it. I'm not there yet, but it, being able to increase it by five or 10 BPM every day, it's been cool. And um, so yeah, Sweet. that's kind of it. Have you been uh, listening to anything um, new or interesting? <laughs> uh,
1: besides Neil Young? So... <laughs> Uh, okay, so i'm going to have to admit I'm sort of on this like power metal and epic metal kick yes. somehow I came across a couple of bands, so there's this hilarious band called Glory Hammer. Maybe some of our listeners already know about them, God. but i <laughs> it's it's a riot, you know it's fun it's fun metal music, and it's something about like space wizards and there's a unicorn invasion of Dundee and a guy named Angus Mcfife and it's it's these like big long concept albums they've got like three or four albums which i haven't listened all the way through but you know it's it's kind of this convoluted concept album of space wizards and a giant hammer to smash the wizard. i, I don't know listen to it though cuz it's it's absolutely hilarious there's some great guitar playing in there too um but it's just it's been kind of fun and ridiculous to listen
0: to so they're Sometimes i think you austrian
1: and 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 they perform in these costumes too which is amazing <laughs> so.
0: that reminds me of like have you heard of arno core uh no I arno core is an austrian i believe um they're like a power metal band, but every song is based around uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger line. Or what? Uh, yeah, it's incredible. I saw them. I saw them in the Dove. Uh, they have like four guitar players. There's like twelve of them on stage at one time, and oh it's God. they 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 have like songs like "Get to the Chopper" and "In the Gym." And <laughs> loads loads. It's, it's really, really, it's great. But they were all dressed as the squad from Predator. So like you know, the, the oh my gosh, ammo. that's
1: amazing.
0: Oh and loads God. of. Loads of, it was loads of audience members came in costume as well they just have this like cult following that i'm never familiar with before so that reminds me of god hand what were they called uh oh, glory hammer glory hand or hammer sorry um <laughs> and, and well, they have a
1: song so, called glory hammer that's like it's just yeah it's big and
0: epic power metal so statement um, yeah good oh, god and uh, um, sweet sometimes you need music to be fun though i think in terms of that like if you're if you're teaching it all day you need something like a little bit refreshing yeah
1: you. it's it's definitely a, a bit lighthearted. um you know i i think i think they understand the whole thing is a bit of a gimmick and they just mm. have fun with it uh like i said yeah. they, they perform in these like <laughs> i don't know space opera costumes i don't know how else to put it so <laughs> I, w- I will send you a link and you will watch it please
2: okay so
1: that's I'm me by that. listening, listening to those things
0: you have been listening to what now so I, I, I sent you the link to the Ben Levin group um, EP uh, yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a live video that he did um, for his EP which the EP is called The Wave That Got Away and he does this he doesn't even play guitar at all in the recording i think it's just him on piano and kind of songwriting duties yeah. talented man very very talented and he writes very it's 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 kind of like sprawling it's it's like almost it's folky but it's also going kind of it's got this these really really nice progressions and um, it's really hard to describe yeah ben levin group i highly recommend it's what i've been listening to all week um, what else have I been listening to? Oh, I went back and uh, on Irish Netflix now there is the Lemmy documentary. So, um, have you seen that? No, I haven't. The you know, uh, I haven't. Yeah, so, I haven't yeah, it yeah, so it's just called. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't watched it yet it's it's really like i remember watching it when he was still alive and i really enjoyed it and it's just like it's so funny because like i i i think as a personality i think he's great like he he is rock and roll and i so i watched that and i went back so i started listening to some motorhead again and yeah man it's fun it's all the same like every song is essentially the same song but if you're looking for if you're hitting that 3 p.m slump at work at your office job it's Motorhead baby and it'll it'll get you there Spades yeah man Ace of Spades is the album I would recommend for people who are looking to get into Motorhead it was the one that they really broke them back in 1980 and yeah apart from that random stuff went back and listened to some Primus which is always some fun oh fun and yeah man Larry Lalonde great guitar player they are currently have you heard that Primus is touring the uh, is it Salute to Kings by Rush they're playing the album in its entirety farewell to kings it's farewell, farewell the kings wow yeah, wow they're, they're doing a huge tour of the u.s uh where they're just playing that album i would, that go, album. See
1: that. I would yeah. go see that that would be holy awesome.
0: cow i saw primus before and they are live there a great time um highly recommend so yeah so that's that's it i think that's the show john another I one think, in the bag i i think so uh we, I, we I, went we went from beatles to primus there so i'm i'm yeah. happy with that in terms I of i feel
1: like that's logical I think so. Uh,
0: yeah. We got there, um, <laughs> friends. If you have any questions, you can hit us up on. Uh, we are on the socials. We have sharpenthatax at gmail And um, yeah, if you if there's any topics you'd like us to cover, we do have some very fun guests coming up. Um, guests that we've mentioned in the past, and we're going to try and get some more mini episodes out to you very soon. Yeah. So you do yeah, check don't...
1: out our merchandise on Redbubble and oh, we have
0: merchandise now.
1: Patreon as well. Yes. So. Um, we are, we are kind of looking for a few extra suggestions on our Patreon tiers. Uh, but yes. essentially $1 guest, you know, friend of the show. We'll, we'll give you a little shout out, special thanks. Uh, we really appreciate it. We, d- we do this just for the love of it. That's really all it is. And what we're, we're just trying to get it. So we break even here. We're not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we love, yes. Love talking gear, talking guitar, and we love interacting with you guys as well. So check and us out. We love you. Facebook. All the other places too we could be a little more active on twitter but neither one of us are on twitter as
0: often yeah what are we going to say like yeah. twitter's, for, twitter's <laughs> for fighting with other people yeah well um, we'll, we'll just
1: are, retweet all the other people who are actually using twitter we'll, we'll do yeah. that for you we, we will be a news repository so <laughs> um, exactly friends actually uh, that's yes, not a bad idea maybe that's what we should do with it
0: <laughs> <Yeah>, probably not
1: <laughs> <laughs> phoning anyway, it in ring ring you
0: um, yeah um, friends so, yeah, thank you very red much.
1: bubble for merchandise and uh, Patreon to support what we do because we, re- we appreciate you guys thank you to everybody out there that does support us
0: so yeah we um, would like we would appreciate some help in keeping the lights on but you know just you guys listening is big and for we recently had um, a band approach us uh, who reached out to their fans to ask what podcast they should be on and our name came up which was really neat to hear yeah and so we, thank you
1: out there for you know
0: who you are uh, and <laughs> <Really> appreciate <laughs> yeah. it so yeah friends we'll, we'll uh, have a new episode out for you very soon hope you enjoyed this one thank you very much for everything stay sharp